Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. CTFM, this is Eyewitness News from number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabrakakra, with me, Ni Lati Lati. This evening, I'm here with Akosia Autry. In the next 90 minutes. Following these negotiations and in consideration of the plight of drivers, commuters and the public, we have resolved to reduce the existing transport fares by 13.3%. Transport Ministry and road transport operators agree a 15% reduction in transport fares effective Monday, December 19. Still on eyewitness news, the majority in Parliament is giving itself a pat on the shoulder over the drop in the prices of fuel and the relative appreciation of the city. The caucus maintains it is responsible for the current stability. Also, all set at the Accra Sports Stadium for the NDC National Delegates Congress tomorrow. Tonight on Eyewitness News, we look into the races, including that keen one for the position of National Chairman between incumbent Samuel Ofosu Ampofo, current General Secretary Johnson Isidun Kitia, plus two others. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on these and other stories on Eyewitness News. Later in business, government reiterates commitment to combating economic crimes to boost investor confidence. That will be in 50 minutes with Netele Nete Ajahu for the top stories in the world of business. Eyewitness News is live across the country on our partner stations in the Western region. This is Beach 105.5 FM and Sky Power 93.5 FM, both in Takrade. In the Bono region, this is Greener, 95.9 FM in Sunyan. If you are listening to us in the Ashanti region, Orange, 107.9 FM and Focus, 94.7 FM, both in Kumasi. In the Volta region, welcome to Revival, 99.3 FM in Tajehu, Cool, 103.5 FM in Ho, Northern region, Radio Bimbala, 91.9 FM, Tanga, 93.7 FM in Bolga, in the Upper East Region and Tunson 97.3 FM in Wa in the Upper West Region. Eyewitness News is interactive. Tell us what you make of the story. Share your views and thoughts via WhatsApp on 0549-986-996. 0549-986-996. The show is also live on Facebook on City 97.3 FM. You can leave your comments on our stories there as well. Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Ni Lati Lati, here tonight with Akusuya Otri. Our first story tonight has to do with the cost of transportation following the reduction in fuel prices and the city stability. And so if you are a public transport u- user, then this may come as good news for you. There is some form of relief because transport fares are going down from Monday. The road transport operators have resolved to reduce the existing transport fares. So from Monday, commuters will be paying less. The percentage margin is 15.3 and it covers um, shared taxis, intracity, that's trotro, intercity, long distance 
and haulage. So uh, the unions are requesting that all commercial transport operators comply with the new fares and post same at their loading terminals. It is also requesting that all operators, commuters and the general public uh, are kindly to cooperate for a successful implementation of the new fare. So, for instance, if you pay two Ghana CDs currently, you'll be paying one CD 70 pesos. If you pay 20 CDs, you'll be paying 17 CDs. If you pay 25 CDs, your new fare from Monday is going to be 21 CDs. Uh, and if you travel a long distance and pay, let's say, 200 CDs, you will be now paying 170 CDs. So that's the latest development as far as transportation fares are concerned in the country. Aba Asimoro is the Industrial Relations Officer for the Ghana Private Road Transport Union. He joins us here tonight on Eyewitness News uh, for a conversation on this particular subject matter. Good evening to you, Mr. Imoro, and thank you for your time with us here on Eyewitness News. Hello, Mr. Imoro. Yeah. Please, are you on the line? Yes, I'm on the line. It's okay now. The line was very big. Sorry about that. Can you hear me now clearly? Yeah, no, I can hear you. That's fine. And so, first tell us why the 15% agreement couldn't it have been more? Well, looking at the current economic situation and things surrounding us, we yesterday we came out and said we have considered reducing the life effective to look at the poor reduction today would also inform us on the percentage to reduce. After considering the recent reductions, we thought it wise to reduce the 15.3%, which we strongly believe will be an SMAS bonus to all our clients. So this is how it came about. What do you mean if you say Xmas bonus? Does it mean that after Christmas you are likely to see uh, an upward review of the prices, given uh, you know the the prices of fuel and any other thing that may come out? Oh well, if they come up tomorrow and increase the fuel price, the increase is to a point where we have to change the laws. Why not? That is why. Without reducing the law effects for everybody to enjoy the Xmas Well, usually when you increase prices, there is always this issue of compliance. And in your statement, you are cautioning uh, commercial transport operators to comply with the new fares and even post same at their loading terminals. How different is this compliance going to be? from what you have seen in the past? We strongly believe there will be a massive compliance. We strongly believe. You see, if you place a vehicle at the station and nobody patronizes it, you have no business doing that. We see no reason why the citizenry will think drivers are not good and we have all the cause to demonstrate for the citizenry to believe that their thoughts are always wrong. 
I mean, last, last Monday, and you say, yes, we strongly believe also that passengers also walk out to our vehicles with intention of creating problems. Those people are also there, we are aware of that also. Oh, come Monday and here is to manage the situation and look happily once again as one big family. Well, I want you to take us back to yesterday's meeting with the Transport Ministry. In that particular meeting, it ended inconclusively, although you agreed on the fact that there must be a reduction in transport fares. You couldn't reach a consensus on the percentage margin of which today you have announced. In yesterday's meeting, what really happened? Tell us more. Well, the Transport Ministry was expecting more than what we have just come out with. And we were also not prepared to go by their demand. Because we demonstrated to them that, as we speak now, there is a very big difference between the four increments from some period up to now and the low fares that we have also charged from that same period up to now. So the passengers are having overheads a lot. But what can, can we do? They are our relatives. We have to make sure. We do whatever we do in our capacity and build sanity in our relationship. So here we are. We've decided on it. We have come up with a communicate that will increase the law effect. We have decreased the law effect by 15.3 percent, effective from 19 of this month. Less 19 counts and let's see how best we all live happily in there. We will see how best we all live happily in this country. Uh, And in fact, your response takes me back to my first question to you. And you have also admitted that the transport ministry was expecting more from you. In fact, stakeholders in the transportation space have suggested that if there is going to be any reduction at all, it should be above 20%. But here you are announcing 15.3% to us. Really, there are a lot of people who think that this is not satisfactory. You see, the general public needs to be educated much on transport issues. We are in this country with the experiencing a, a number of well increments which doesn't attract upward adjustment in law effect. And on many occasions when we are ready to come up with an upward adjustment, it doesn't even reflect what you are supposed to take. You see, so the passengers are reminded of all these things. After all, if we are to go strictly by the lay down rules, as I said earlier, the passengers rather own as a lot. Wouldn't be in a very good position to say we are not going to reduce lives also we have cleared the battle. Don't do that. If we are all in a very good spirit to educate the citizens about this very issue that I'm talking about, don't think there is any problem ahead of us. Mm, okay. 
Finally, let me ask you, did you factor in the reduction in the prices of spare parts in this latest downward adjustment? And I'm asking because earlier this week, the Spare Parts Dealers Association said you people should give them a break because we are using them as an excuse uh, to, you know, maintain. Yes, please. Hello. Yeah, I'm talking about spare parts. Please, can you hear me? Spare parts, we are, we are challenging. You just can't be at your stores and invite media men to tell them we have reduced our ways. We have been dying. And what we are saying is, they should demonstrate it. Tell us this engine was being sold at uh, uh, 2500 to 7000 we have now reduced it to 2,500. That's a public We are saying it is not true. Price which we were buying at 150 Ghana cities, the used tire, for example, which went to 500 and 400, are still being sold prices. So the spare parts, all the spare parts we have been buying there. So the much and publish it. This was being sold at this amount. It went up to this amount. We have now reduced it to this amount. And brother, as we speak now, look at how the papers have not been reduced. It is only the fuel. And we don't run transport with only fuel. We are not complaining about that now. So I don't think anybody should bring that in it. We have agreed and we have reduced the lower fare to 15.3%. And we strongly believe it must be enjoyed by all that are happening. So essentially, you are saying that you didn't factor in the prices of spare parts, although the prices of... We fact, mm. We've been factoring all these things. What I'm saying is, we have considered this particular reduction based on the foil And not spare parts. Spare parts have, mm. not been re- spare parts have not been reduced. Lubricants have not been reduced. Recently, DVL increased their documentation. Nothing has been taken out of it. All those things are still the same as we are, we, we, we are buying them. All right. Thank you, Abbasimuro. He is Industrial Relations so. Officer of the Ghana Private Road Transport Union. That's the GPRTU. Meanwhile, another transport union, that's the Concerned Drivers Association of Ghana, says it will reduce transport fares by 10%. David Aguado is Public Relations Officer of that association. He also joins us on the line with more. Hello, good evening to you, Mr. Aguado, and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. Thank you, Mr. Ladi. Well, the mother body of all transport unions in the country, that's the GPRT, is reducing fares effective Monday by 15.3%, but your union say you are reducing by 10%. Exactly why? Thank you very much. Uh, we say we are going to reduce by 10%, and they are saying 15%. Um, it's the same thing, because we, you know, normally we take the decision before every union follows. As we, since yesterday, we are on the airway saying we will reduce, we will reduce. And if they say 15%, we are not bearing grudge with them. But what I'm saying is that, he himself has explained a lot that the lubricant and other things having the, you know, a factor and added to those things. Yes, he also said the same thing. You see, we reducing the transport fare 
I keep saying it is not because the minister says we should reduce to 18.3%. But because the citizens and then our passengers are pleading with it, that's why we are coming down. And if GPR2 also says 15%, why not? We are in the country and we have to do something and soften the burden on Ghanaians. But as we drivers are calling for reduction, so I'm calling on other bodies that have increased. Even Piotr was then sold at 30 pesos. It's now 50 pesos. So everybody must follow suit so that this reduction will be filled across all sectors, not only on transport. So if GPRG also says they are coming down by 50, 15 point something percent, applaud to them that they are also hearing to drive a passenger's flight and we are going to do that. So which people really constitute the Concerned Drivers Association and how can one differentiate between that association and the GPRT whenever that particular person gets to a transport yard? My boss, what I'm saying means that when GPRTU says um, 15%, we'll all come down to the same level. We propose or we say the 10%. But once they also agreed, and everything is taking effect on Monday. We have the sectors across where the load is, where we also load. The difference that we see is we see our brand concern on our cars. And DPRTU, at times you see, at times you don't see anything on it that is DPRTU people. And is but this not in all, a, mm. in all, we are saving Ghana. And they are the bigger umbrella in terms of transport. So if they have agreed on 15%, I'll call emergency meeting this evening and will the consent to sit together because it is not uh, them is that to suggest that you are going to review the ten percent, is that what you are saying? Yeah, we are going to review the ten percent. To the fifteen percent as well. To the fifteen percent as well. Mm. So why didn't you engage DPRTU? Because if you say you always go ahead of it, this is really a recipe for chaos because now a particular group of persons will say that well GPRTU says 15%, you have already indicated that you are going to reduce it by 10%, just because GPRT said 15%, you have also... Is, is it it's really a recipe for chaos? It's not going to be a recipe for chaos. You see, living, let me go this way. The other time that we were increasing transport, GPRT was saying 19%, we say 30%. But at the end of it, we all round down to the 40% that we were all crying for. So this is not a recipe for disaster. But rather... We will manage the situation and make and make Ghanaians feel yes, we care and we think about them, and that is what we are going to do exactly. The fifteen percent will be across board. One GPRT have announced that we will also revisit our decision the ten percent, and it will also be taking effect from Monday. From Monday. All right, thank you. That's Public Relations Officer for the Concerned Drivers Association, David Aguadusu. The story is that uh, they are also going to revise their earlier 10% reduction in transport fares and peg it to that of the Ghana Private Road Transport Union, that's the GPRT. There was this association or group calling for a reduction, and today we have that reduction. That's the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers, uh, that's COPEC. Executive Secretary of the Chamber is Duncan Amwa. He joins us on the line. Good evening to you, Mr. Amwa, and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. The reduction in transportation fares is here upon us. 15%, is that enough? Uh, Ni, let me say good evening to you and to your listeners. 
Uh, indeed, I would start with saying that uh, thanks to the national chairman for uh, the GPRTU, Nana Bresiyama, um, he shown great leadership. Indeed, when we had uh, our discussion with him about two days ago, uh, if you recall on your network, uh, a section of the driving community were saying they were not going to reduce transport fares at all. Uh, we have to knock on their doors and insist that we cannot sit in a, a country where petrol prices would go down uh, by five to seven Ghana cities a litre uh, cumulatively within the past six weeks. And then the transport operators who had earlier announced, you know, a 19% increase after their meeting with the transport ministry, uh, following which diesel and petrol went up again from the 13 uh, to 18 and 23, they came back with some other 20%, you know, increment. Uh, we cannot pretend that the commuting public uh, who have been coerced or forced to pay these new transport fares uh, due to increasing costs of fuel prices uh, should continue to pay the same at a time when uh, the market conditions are not the same. And you've had diesel uh, decline from uh, 23.45 uh, to currently around 16. Uh, that alone is a drop of more than seven Ghana CD a liter. Petrol that used to be also around um, 17.99, which is 18 cities, uh, is currently trading around 13 Ghana cities, uh, with some OMCs even doing uh, 12.99. I've seen 12.5 uh, even on the market. Uh, you cannot have these drops. It's not in with five cities, seven cities. It's huge. And so it was quite frustrating and surprising uh, when you heard a section of the drivers insist that they were not going to reduce transport fares and that until and unless, you know, prices should cross 10 Ghana cities. Mind you, the last time they increased their fares, it was not a matter of 10 Ghana cities. It was 13, it was 15. When it went to 18, fares went up again. So uh, we are just grateful for the gesture. Uh, we would also want to remind them that the uh, indications we pick up, it is quite likely that January would also see uh, further reductions. In exactly. I, I, was, I was coming to that, especially because you have mentioned that this reduction is a good step. And also, I know that you have been doing a lot of projections. So I was about asking you that in the next pricing window, should we be expectant of a further drop in the prices of fuel? Uh, me, I can conclusively uh, put on your network that the first window, January, which is the new year, is also likely to bring uh, further reduction. Uh, why would I say this? International benchmarks are down as we speak. Prices of petroleum products on the international market are low. At the last auction that Bank of Ghana also did with the BDCs, uh, BOG had their rate to the, the city, that city to the dollar, take that 13 Ghana cities, right? Which means that for most of the BDCs that took part in the auction, uh, even though the cities seem to be doing eight cities as we speak, seven cities as we speak, uh, they may be unable to probably do those numbers. 
simply because they've part- partaking in auction uh, that leaves them at 13 Ghana City exposure. Uh, fast forward to uh, probably January 2023, uh, when the new numbers that we are seeing uh, as far as the forest uh, rates are concerned. If they were to kick in and uh, BOG and the interbank rates should all drop below 10, uh, me, I do not see how we would still be trading petrol for the 13 and diesel for the 15. It is likely those numbers, petrol could drop below the 10 Ghana City uh, threshold. It is likely diesel could also drop to uh, 11, maximum 12 threshold uh, by January. And so uh, maybe the transport operators should factor these also and uh, get ready to give Ghanaians maybe some additional 10% so that uh, if we got 25% overall, I'm certain that the Accra commerce stretch that initially people used to pay 45, uh, 50 Ghana cities uh, to be able to uh, go to and fro, uh, maybe the 120 that is being charged currently and the 190 that is being charged currently, uh, it could also decline to about 50, 60, uh, maximum 70, so that people can also freely move, goods and services can move, but uh, as I speak with you, prices of petroleum products are simply declining on the world market, and then the city is also gaining, and so the only eventual outcome expected is that there would be a sustained reduction into the new year, and we are certain that uh, the GPR2 and other transport operators will be minded and, and, and probably uh, start preferring towards reducing the first further for Ghanaians. All right, thank you. That's Duncan Amwa, Executive Secretary of the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers, Ghana, COPEC. Eyewitness News or 97.3 CTFM. If you are just joining us, transport fares are about to go down by 15%. Effective Monday, we've had engagement with the GPRT, the Concerned Drivers Association, and the Chamber of Petroleum Consumers, a key player as far as transportation in the country is concerned. So Effective Monday, if you visit any of the transport yards in the country and you are currently paying about 30 Ghana CDs, you'll be paying 25 CDs as your new transportation fare and also if you are paying 20 cities the new fare for you now is 17 ghana cities if you are traveling all the way from accra to let's say the northern region or even the upper west region and you are paying about 230 ghana cities there's respite for you because you now be paying 196 ghana cities eyewitness news on 97.3 ctfm there's this story just coming in. The defeated National Youth Organizer of the NDC, Brujak Jinfi, has secured a court injunction restraining the NDC and the EC from swearing in George Opare Adu as youth organizer of the party. If you do stay with us, we bring you more on this development. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. 
Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabrakakra. My name is Ni Lati Lati here with Akusua Otri. Well, we just less than 24 hours to the NDC National Congress here in Accra. The party has been slapped with a court injunction, uh, the election of the National Youth Organizer of the party, which was held last weekend in Cape Coast, has been put into question, basically because the elected and retained National Youth Organizer, George Opari Ado, his election has been is being contested by his only contender in that particular race, that's Buja Jinfi. Uh, the election saw Pablo, as he is affectionately called, win by some 25 votes. But in this uh, suit that we are just citing here in the city newsroom, Buja Jinfi is alleging some illegalities and infractions which have compromised the outcome of the election. And so he wants... Uh, the High Court here in Amasaman in Accra to restrain the NDC and the EC from swearing in George Opare Ado as youth organizer of the National Democratic Congress. My colleague here in the city newsroom, Fred Tete Jabano, joins us in studio with more details as far as this issue is concerned. Good evening to you, Fred, and thank you for joining us. First, it is an ex parte interim injunction. What does it mean? So it means that um, Bojak Jemfi and the two other plaintiffs went to court without the notice of the defendants. Mm. So they went, filed their application for the court to hear that ex parte. Mm. So it On, means that even uh, Pablo has not been served? Mm. I don't know whether, as we speak now, Pablo has been served with the other of the court. Mm. But what it is is that when they went to court today, Pablo was not saved mm-hmm. because he did not have to be saved because mm-hmm. it was an ex parte where the passengers goes to um, get hearing from the court to get some directions from mm-hmm. the court. This is what happened. So he went on an ex parte motion application. So the NDC and the other defendants were not saved. On the other hand, what would happen is that after this particular process, mm-hmm. now they will need to go by notice mm-hmm. where the defendants would have to be served so they could come and defend themselves. So this is what happened. That's why um, this application was heard quickly. Mm-hmm. So as you explained, this stems out from last Saturday's um, youth elections where... Um, Georgia Parado Pablo was elected as national youth um, organizer of the party. You would recall that during this particular election, those, um, the election delay took a lot of hours before it started because of some confusion over the uh, delegates list. Um, there were concerns about which people, especially from Tain, the uh, tertiary wing of the NDC, mm-hmm who were qualified or who had to vote. There were concerns about which people had to vote. Um, the incumbent youth organizer believed that some people were not supposed to be on the delegates list as of Saturday. Uh, Mr. Bojajinfi thought otherwise. He felt that there were certain people who were supposed to be on the delegates list. After a long discussion, we are told that the organizers or the committee which had been set aside to um, organize this election decided that they were going to go ahead with a particular register. And after this election went ahead, Georgia Pirado came in as winner with, as you said, mm-hmm. 25 um, votes mm-hmm. difference. 
when this election ha- ended, you had the kind of ac- accusations yeah. and counter accusations which had two. been um, going around between the two gentlemen, um, George Pariado and Boja Genfi, from media house to one media house, another media house, throwing all kinds of accusations and allegations against the other. Boja Genfi gave an indication that he was going to challenge the particular results of which the election, has. which he has, he did today. Today he went to court and he raised a number of concerns with elections, which the courts granted an, in, an interim injunction. So an injunction is for 10 days. What it means is that Bojad, uh, um, the NDC, if they are served with the order of the court, will not be able to swear in Georgia Pariado. After their national congress. After their national weekend. congress. Mm. So what happens is that when the youth and women um, leaders are elected, they wait for the national, other national executive positions to also be elected, then they are sworn in together. What is, what, um, George, what do you call it? Some, uh, Boja Jemfi is seeking for is that Pablo should not be sworn in and he should not also hold himself as, as national, national youth, youth organizer, organizer that is what they are seeking for when so, he went to so, court so before before you get into the specifics of the uh, concerns he has raised who are the defendants in this particular rate so in in the suit there are three applicants mm-hmm. actually actually there are three applicants you have Roger Jemfi himself so. you have Ibrahim Rashid of UPSA he belongs to the UPSA team mm-hmm. then you have Paul Amagaldo, he is the president of uh, the University of Ghana, uh, uh, Legon, mm-hmm. chapter so of team. These are the three plaintiffs. And the defendants, you have the National Democratic Congress as the a party. party. So. You have Alex Segbefia, who is the chairman of the planning, uh, planning committee. committee. You have Daniel Amate, who is part of the deputy chairman of the planning committee. You have the electoral commission and George Apariado himself. So five defendants there. Yes, we have five defendants mm. and three applicants, applicants in this particular case. Basis. Okay, so what specific uh, concerns is Boja uh, Jemfi uh, raising? When you look at the writ which was sent to court, you could break his um, concerns to just two. Mm. He says that there, are 20, there were 22 team presidents who were supposed to be delegated and were expected to, be, to vote per the orders of a high court which was given earlier. These people were prevented from voting. Mm. And there were other 17 persons who were not supposed to vote, but were allowed to vote. So his concerns are two. There are 22 people who were supposed to vote, but were removed from from the list. And 17 people who were not supposed to vote, who were added. And when you look at the difference in the votes, Which which is 25, he believes that Maybe when you allow these 22 people who voted, he w- who could have won the yeah, election. They could have voted for him. They could have voted for him and he would have won the election. So this is why he's in court. The court has placed the injunction on it. We are not sure whether the NDC as a party has been served. We are not sure whether the um, planning committee, chairman of the planning committee has been served. What we know is that when they are served, they need to halt any processes mm. of um, swearing in Boja Jemfi. If they are not served, we don't know whether the NDC would go on to do it because they have not been officially mm. served. So we'll see, wait to see what the NDC would have to do tomorrow. And tomorrow is a long day. You never know when somebody can be served. But we cannot confirm now whether the NDC has been served or not. Mm. Well, Fred, I'll come back to you. But the plaintiff himself, 
is actually on the line with us here on Eyewitness News. Former NDC National Youth Organizer Sparanti Yabuja Jinfi, who has uh, placed an injunction on the swearing in of Pablo as youth organizer of the NDC in that particular election that was held last weekend at the University of Cape Coast. Good evening to you, sir, and thank you for joining us on Eyewitness News. You are very much convinced that a lot of, you know, electoral underhand dealings went on in the election last weekend, and so you have resorted to seek legal redress. Good evening, and thanks for having me. Yes, I'm very clear in my mind that the outcome of Last Saturday's election uh, <clears throat> is, is born out of a flawed electoral uh, system. Uh, before we went to Cape Coast, all aspirants were given delegate lists, official delegate lists, and final delegate lists given by the party. When we got to Cape Coast, a few hours before the processes could start, the incumbent national youth organizer uh, protested against the official list that was given to everybody and threatened to boycott the elections and proceed to court. And that delayed the election until some uh, party officers decided to play to his whims and decided to do what he wanted by disenfranchising 22 uh, 10 presidents and including into the delegate list some 17 illegal persons. And if you study the election results, clearly these numbers could impact on, on the outcome of the elections. And that's why uh, I'm, I'm seeking this redress. And I'm not mm. alone as, as mm. the applicant. Yeah. The, 10 yeah, president, the 10 president for, for University of Ghana and, and the 10 the president for University studies. for Professional Studies are all... Uh, but in your initial explanation, am I to get that you are accusing uh, Pablo of using his incumbency to influence the delegates list? Is that clear? Is that what you are saying? Very clearly. Because the delegate list that was given to Aspirants was not what was used for the election. Please come again. I lost you briefly. I'm saying that the delegate list that was given to Aspirants was not what was used for the election. Mm. And it is because he had threatened to boycott the election if mm. the official delegate list was used. And so some party officers decided to call the two of us to say that there should be a compromise. And I was very clear that oh, there is no compromise here. The party has a delegate list. That is what must be used. And on top of that, a high court this same high court, Amasaman High Court, had given an order that 1819 presidents who had been disenfranchised during the regional youth election were supposed to be allowed to vote. It was an order from the court. And 22 out of that 89 were not allowed to, to vote in that election. And there was also another mm. order of the court from Koforidia, which had annulled the uh, Eastern Regional Election, Youth Election, because two constituencies participated in that election. And because the National Youth Organizer had threatened that Eastern Region is his home region and he would not agree for those two constituencies to be excluded, the officers allowed those two constituencies to vote. These were the same two constituencies which had caused 
the announcement of the Eastern Regional Youth Election. Mm. Why must they be allowed to vote at the National Youth Election? Well, is that and to so say... Well, is that to say, is that to say that the party leadership and, you know, electoral officers sat and looked on, uh, to ensure that this particular ab- ab- anomaly that you are talking about happened? Is that to say that party leadership aided and abetted, uh, with, you know, uh, Pablo? Yes, because he threatened that he was not going to participate in the elections if the official delegates list was to be used. And they did what he wanted for him. So I don't even have to say. They demonstrated it. So you are also accusing party leadership? I would not have been in court if there was no accusation. All right. So if you are saying that you would not have been in court uh, because of accusations by party leadership and the incumbent national youth organizer, uh, why did you not exhaust internal party processes or why didn't you exhaust that before heading to the court? I don't get it. I, the party uh, have given us delegate list. No, I'm saying, I'm saying that. Uh-huh. Did you, did you exhaust party internal processes as far as your issues are concerned? Because I know that after every elections, if there are any issues, the party will set up its own internal mechanisms to ensure that these issues are addressed. Did you exhaust that before heading to the court? There, there, there has not been any platform created for that purpose. So are you saying and ahead of the party? I'm, ahead as far of the, as I'm mm. concerned, as far as I'm concerned, the party is aware that the delegate list that was given to Aspans got changed in the middle of the game. Okay, but your party has a national executive uh, committee as well as a functional executive committee. Did you petition any of these bodies? What I'm saying is that the party is aware what went on in Cape Coast. And the only forum that can resolve this matter is, is where I have put the matter. And so uh, once an order from the court has been given, I expect the party to respect the order or the orders from the court because our party is a law-abiding party. And uh, Article 7 of our party's constitution states clearly that we submit to the 1992 constitution and its institutions. Well, be as it may be, uh, you have not exhausted party internal processes and are you not violating the rules and regulations of the party? Are you saying that the party does not have the capacity to address your concerns? I have not violated any rules or regulations of the party. The Kofuidia High Court and now the Eastern Regional Youth Elections, and the party respected that, short of allowing the two constituencies, which are bear the fruit, to also participate in the election. And so I'm very clear in my mind that I have not flouted any party regulation, I have not flouted any party rules. Okay, but are you also not willing to officially draw the attention of the party to these issues in the aftermath of the election? How did you do that? I've already written to the party. I've already done that. And what was the response? There has not been any response. That's why I tell you that there has not been any platform created to resolve this matter. Okay, so who did you write to? I wrote to the general secretary. And he has not responded? No, and you know the processes that is going on. Everybody is campaigning. 
I, I, my brother, dwelling on this issue for me will not solve any matter. The matter is before a court of competence jurisdiction. The court has given orders. The party must respect those orders. All right. I, I don't you... think that the party will say that because uh, some internal processes have not been exhausted, which I have done already, and because of that, the party will not respect orders of the court. I doubt this party of laws will, will, will say that. All right, uh, Mr. Yabuja Jenfi, I wish you well in your legal uh, tussle as far as your election as National Youth Organizer of the NDC is concerned. He is one of the applicants of the suit that has been slapped uh, on the National Democratic Congress, the NDC, as it prepares for its National Congress. So, uh, the election of George Opari Adu, also known as Pablo, as National Youth Organizer, of the NDC has been put to question. In fact, it's only contender in that race in the election last Saturday at the University of Cape Coast. Yabuja Jinfi has also uh, taken the matter to court. And so that is the latest development as far as the NDC election is concerned. Joining us on the line now is Deputy Director of Elections of the party we are talking about. That's the NDC, Daniel Amati. Good evening to you, Mr. Martin. Thank you for joining us here on Eyewitness News. Yeah, good evening, my brother. Well, has this interim injunction sought by Yao Jinfi been to your office? In fact, as you are talking to me now, I'm at the electoral commission. Uh, I had a call from one of the sisters, and I told them I'm not aware of. The electoral commission were actually bagging the ballot papers for the various meetings for the tomorrow's program. And so they said it has been served on the party, the chairman of the election committee. I'm here to reach out to them. So I don't want to comment further. Okay, that's very well understood. But when we spoke to Bruja Jeffy a while ago, he said that he wrote to the party and raised concerns with what happened in Cape Coast, but he did not get a favorable response from the party, which has forced him to seek legal redress at the court. What can you tell us about this? But to the best of my knowledge, this issue of he writing to the party, this is the first time I'm hearing. This is the first time I'm hearing. The, the election committee met on Wednesday, never came up. Yesterday, the Congress planning committee met. This letter of concern never came up. And so this is the first time I'm hearing that he has written to the party, seeking readers, and he has no heard from the party. Well, so what does this particular injunction mean for the party? But even before you explain that... I believe that if what you are seeing is indeed the party has lawyers and uh, our legal team will look at it and they will advise upon it. All right, so uh, let's talk about the National Delegate Conference or Congress that is happening tomorrow at the Accra Sports Stadium. What can you tell us as far as plans and preparations are well, concerned? Well, I think, I see that we are ready. Congress preparation is hard, but we are here with the letter commission. All electoral materials are ready. We are being 
back into their various situations in their quantity. I'm told my accreditation has just been brought to me. The officer who brought me let me know that virtually all the various processes accreditation have been ready. To delegate to the Congress have been accredited, and most of the regions have arrived at their Congress village. Ground committee updates on our various platforms clearly show that they are ready for the Congress tomorrow. The security subcommittee has worked around the clock. I can I, I can actually tell you that as I'm talking to you, the ground committee has your two heavy giant sets in case of power outage to make sure that we don't have challenges even with power. So preparation is far advanced and Congress will definitely come on tomorrow. Okay. All the best. That's Daniel Amati, that's Deputy Director of Elections of the NDC. Uh, we stay a while longer on this particular issue with the NDC because uh, all is set at the Akraspo Stadium, just as you may have heard from Mr. Amati. The NDC National Delegates Congress comes up tomorrow. Uh, Philip Nilati of our political desk joins me in studio. He's been monitoring and following the NDC Congress and then he joins us in studio. Philip, uh, tomorrow is the big day. Exactly. Last weekend they were in Cape Coast to elect their youth, national youth organizer and women mm. organizer. And in fact in that particular election as far as the youth organizer role or position is being contested now. So tomorrow a lot of uh, people are looking forward to seeing what will happen at the Crossport Stadium. The big one, of course, is the race for the national chairman position exactly. uh, between the incumbent Samuel Ofusuan Pofo and then General Mosquito, the incumbent general secretary of the party. So uh, it's expected that we, the ground should have some 80,614 delegates, uh, close to 9,000. And this is a third NDC National Delegates Congress and themed on rallying victory for 2024 Ghana's Hope. And that is what the NDC is bringing on board. And the uh, the chairmanship position is between the incumbent, uh, that is uh, Samuel Ofosu Ampofo, and also John Sinesiedu Nketiah. John Sinesiedu Nketiah has has been in office for the past 17 years from 2005. And we also have Samuel Yao Edusei, who actually has been a former Deputy Minister for Works and Housing and a one-time PC, that is Parliamentary Candidate for Bantama in the Ashanti region. We also have Ni Ama Ashite, who is, um, was a former uh, MP for Klote Kwale constituency and also a greater regional, greater Accra regional minister. So the, the fight, or let's say the battle for the chairmanship race actually is between <laughs> the two that we know, Johnson Esiedun Ketia and yeah. Samuel Ofosu Ampofo. Samuel Ofosu Ampofo. It's going to be a heated one. Exactly, because we, we, we've seen what is going on on the social media. We've seen the campaigns and all that. And so when you go to the uh, the grounds that is at Crossport Stadium. Uh, there are billboards mounted there uh, that are that of Ufusu uh, and Pofu and that was also of Johnson Esiedu in Ketia. Giant billboards uh, telling delegates what they, they would do for them if they should vote for them uh, tomorrow. And these two uh, people we are talking about are party stalwarts. In fact, they have a lot to their credit as mm. far as, you know, their contributions to the party is concerned. And then they are looking forward to slagging it out and then ensure that they elect uh, the chairman because there's a party in waiting and mm. given the economic difficulties we are facing, they have 
uh, uh, you know, taking advantage of it to ensure that they come into power in 2024. And so that's what the incumbent, mm. that is uh, Samuel of has been preaching, that uh, he thinks that the party should give him the second term so that he's going to lead the party to the 2024 elections. But the general secretary incumbent, Johnson Nesidu Nketiah, says, uh, having gotten 17 years experience from the role of, from the, role of the general secretaryship, so he is the best person to lead uh, the charge for the 2024 elections. But somewhere, um, Yao Edusei says that under your tenure, we lost the 2020 yes, elections and also the 2016 elections. So certainly, the two of you uh, do not deserve to be in the position of the chairmanship race, and that should be given to a neutral person. That is uh, somewhere Yao Edusei. But me. Ama Ashite also says that he thinks that uh, he uh, the time is ripe for him to take up the charge to be the chairman of uh, the NDC. So four people contesting for exactly. the position mm. of uh, you know chairman for the National Democratic Congress. Let's talk about the general secretary uh, position. Three contenders there. Another interesting another race. Interesting yes, another interesting race. Exactly. Former propaganda that, secretary mm, in there, mm, mm. as well as. Um, we also have the Deputy General Secretary, Secretary in there, Dr. Peter Wamotokuno himself yes, there, because he, he, for him, he has uh, understudied and uh, uh, he has been an apprentice to the uh, the, the longest serving General Secretary of every po- any other political party in this country. So he thinks that with the experience he has gotten from uh, being with the General Secretary, Johnson is here doing Ketia, he's uh, fit to be in the position of uh, the General Secretary, Secretary since his boss is no more in the position. Yes, but uh, Elvis Efriye Ankara says that uh, since he's been the deputy or he's been the director of elections for uh, some time and he's also served as a deputy general secretary in that particular role, so he, he also believes that he's the best person for the position. He has made several points that even sometimes when general is not around, he he be he sits in his uh, in his role and acts as the general secretary of the party. Then comes Fifi Fiavi Kwete, uh, who says that well, I've been a pa- uh, propaganda secretary of the party for some time, and I think that this time round, I want to be the general secretary of the party in a roundup to the 2024 elections. And also, another interesting race is the organizer mm-hmm. race. Uh, that one, we have Joshua Kamba in there, we have He's Henry incumbent. incumbent, we have Henry Osei Akoto there, we have Madi Mohammed Jibril there, we have Sidi Abubakar there, we have Solomon Yawankansa there, we have Chief Hamilton Biney Nixon there, and we have Joseph Yamin. They all these seven individuals uh, have got roles to play in the party. But you know, Chief Biney is uh, the deputy uh, national organizer currently, and he wants to unseat his boss, that is Joshua Akamba. So, this is the race that we are uh, in the NDC uh, race that is going to happen tomorrow at uh, the Accra Sports Stadium. And uh, the the grounds committee have also indicated that security will be beefed mm. up at the location because of following what happened at UCC. So uh, no stone will be left unturned, mm. and certainly delegates will, will, be, will be put in the right way so that at the end of the day, the elections go on smoothly. Very well, thank you, Philip Nilati, for updating us as far as the NDC National Delegates Congress is concerned.
uh, tomorrow we'll see how it all unfolds at the Accra Sports Stadium. But a reminder that tomorrow we here at City 97.3 FM and City TV will be bringing you our live coverage of the NDC National Delegates Congress. It's going to be analytical and comprehensive. If you don't want to miss out, do join us on City 97.3 FM as well as City TV and all our social media platforms at exactly 10 a.m. in the morning. Our team is ready to bring you all the highlights of that particular National Delegate Congress of the NDC. Akusa Otri has more stories. Let's move away to matters of the economy because the majority in Parliament says the oversight responsibility of the House has been a contributing factor to the city appreciation against the dollar and also the reduction of fuel prices. Some weeks ago, some members of the majority caucus called for the dismissal of the finance minister over the economic challenges confronting the country. Speaking to City News, the deputy majority leader, Alexander Apenyomarkin, says such democratic moves have played a role in reviving the economy. All we need to do is to back government. And as parliament also, I think our conduct by way of oversight is contributing to the situation getting positive. So we may have to continue in that step. Democracy is all about giving the space to express views but being positive, not destructive. So I am very optimistic. I believe that as a country, we have a great potential. We must understand that whatever resources that are made are available for public use, must be used and used well. Judicial use of public resources is very critical and necessary. Because we can't always run to the IMF. We can't always continue to do the blame game. So, the Yenara Assassini, the Wonsum Wonsum Wanyinimpa, the Omeni Yawoman mantra, this should remind us that it's not all about the politicians, it's not all about the civil servant, it's about all of us. Voice of the Deputy Majority Leader in Parliament, Alexander Apenyomarkin. 97.3 CTFM, this is Eyewitness News, live from our studios at number 11, Dr. Martin Loop in Adabrakakra. My name is Nilati Lati here with Akusua Otri. Next is business with Netili Neti Ajahu. Eyewitness News, be there as it happens. Get into the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netele Nete Ajahu. Let's settle for the details. Government has reiterated its commitment to combating economic crimes to boost confidence of investors in the country. The Ministry of Finance disclosed there's a collaborative program between other financial agencies titled the Revenue Assurance Compliance Enforcement to apprehend and crack the whip on culprits engaged in financial crimes. Speaking at a stakeholder engagement dubbed the fight against illicit financial flows in Ghana, head of the organized crime at the Ministry of Finance, Abdullah Bashiru Dapila, says investigations revealed a porous check 
credits and balance system in the banking and finance financial sector and is working hard to close the gaps. The issue of illicit financial flows, IFS, and other financial crimes prevention is high on the agenda of the Economic and Organized Crime Office. The Economic and Organized Crime Office is collaborating with the Economic Strategy and Research Division of the Ministry of Finance, Ghana Revenue Authority, Financial Intelligence Center, the Auditor General and Ministry of Finance. In Vice President recently launched the RISC program, which means Revenue Assurance Compliance Enforcement. Most of the vehicles that these illicit financial flows criminals use are the forest bureaus. During our investigations, we realized that the checks at the banks are very weak in the sense that the bank will only act after 90 days. That was the head of organized crime at the Ministry of Finance, Abdullah Bashiru Dapila. With the commencement of the second pricing window for December, consumers are likely to experience a decline in prices of liquefied petroleum gas. The vice chairman of the LPG Marketers Association of Ghana, Gabriel Kumi, believes that the prices will drop by three Ghana cities per kilogram. He maintains that this will help increase the usage of LPG as a clean energy. Here's Gabriel Kumi speaking on the possible price drop. We are likely to see uh, some significant decline in the price of LPG, uh, anticipating that um, the price will come down by about three Ghana cities per kilo. That is from about uh, 15.5. Ghana cities to about 4.5. So beginning today, second window December, LPG is likely to be sold um, between 12 Ghana cities and 12 cities 50 pesos. The consumer will benefit from this reduction right from today. We have been fighting for the price of LPG to come down. And indeed, this comes as as a good news, not only to consumers, but also, also to industry players. Because, you know, as we always say, LPG has an elastic demand. The higher the price, the less quantity consumed. Uh, the higher you sell as industry players, the more likely you are to, you are to see some, some profit. So, yes, it's a very good news for, for consumers, it's good news for industry players, and it's good news for Madagana. Because at the end of the day, the lower the price, the more the quantity consumed. And that will help save our environment and that was the vice chairman of the LPG Marketers Association of Ghana, Gabriel Kumi. Economist Karij Buti has stated that prices of goods and services are not corresponding with the Ghana City's appreciation because of demand and supply conditions. The Ghana City in the last two weeks has been on a path of resurgence against all the major trading currencies. As at Friday morning, the local currency was trading at eight Ghana cities to a dollar, while the pound and euro were selling at nine cities, 80 pesos, and eight cities, 50 pesos, respectively, to the city. Economist Karish Buti has been speaking to City Business News on the issue. There has never been anything like a uniform exchange rate across industries, really. It's what you offer, and it's a matter of demand and supply, but it's also based on what will make it competitive. What the Bank of Ghana publishes is, if you like, a reference rate. That is actually the average rate the banks trade among themselves based on the volumes that are traded, and that is how come that rate comes up. So the Bank of Ghana reference rate is really not a rate anyone trades at. It's just referencing what is happening across the market market really. And so it is very normal that Tambek will give you one rate, a GCP will give you another rate and all of that. And of course, the service provided. And remember, we are in a period of volatility where 
the CD is not exactly stable yet. And so people would always price based on what they feel and what they think it should be until there is such a point where there is stability and predictability. That is when you can begin to see rates maybe closely aligned to each other offered across the market. But it is always the case that different market players will code different rates based on the demand and supply condition and how competitive they want to be. That was economist Karij Bhuti. In response to West Africa's expanding business prospects and the growing need for service providers with in-depth local knowledge, leading Nigerian law firm Templates has expanded into the Ghanaian local market by collaborating with Ampim Chambers, a Ghanaian law practice firm. The result of this collaboration will be the establishment of a new legal firm in Ghana called Templates. The new law firm will provide clients with services across all facets of the Ghanaian economy, including mining, energy and financial services, among others. In an interview, City Business News managing partner at Templates, Ogogo Akpata, noted that the developments will aid in the growth of the company, especially in the era of the African continental free trade area. Yes, we see a lot of opportunities. We see uh, the uh, and the Ghana as a, as a country actually Ghana as a country we, we see it as a very well structured. The regulation regulators are strong. The opportunities are immense from the mining sector, which is something that everyone uh, wants to get into to uh, energy as well, so and electricity. So we see Ghana as something that is untapped, not fully tapped for international and. Uh, regional law firms and all our clients, most especially, most of our clients, 80% of our clients, because Templars as a, as a firm is primarily, uh, uh, we, we do a lot of uh, international, we represent a lot of international clients mm-hmm. and a lot of foreign direct investments into Nigeria. Uh, most of those clients do the same, uh, are all uh, present in Ghana and they've been telling us all this while that we needed to come to Ghana, we needed to come to there, there and um, and, and service them as well as uh, uh, and uh, look for new opportunities. All right. Okay. Ogogo Akpata is a managing partner with Templates. And that's it for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business news website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Netilinete Ajahu. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
97.3 CTFM is the station. Eyewitness News is the name of the show. Anila Tilati is the name. Tonight on Point Blank, we take you to Parliament for excerpts of the debate on the 2023 budget. Mr. Speaker, I respectfully know that this House approves the sum of one billion four hundred and eighty-six million five hundred and twenty-eight thousand six hundred and ninety-six Ghana CDs under the medium-term expenditure framework estimates for the Ministry of Gender, Children and Social Protection to undertake its programs and activities for the year 2023 fiscal for the 2023 fiscal year. So, Speaker, the Ministry 2023 will continue with the implementation of planned programs and projects in line with its sector policy objectives in the National Medium-Term Development Framework in the following program areas. Gender Equality and Equity Program, Child Rights Promotion, Protection and Development Program, social development, social protection, human trafficking and domestic violence, the Ghana School Feeding Program, the Livelihood Empowerment Against Poverty, known as the LEAP Program. So, Speaker, I therefore respectfully move that this August House approves the Ministry's budget estimates. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Motion moved. Any seconder? Yes. Mr. Speaker, it will interest you to know that out of this figure, an amount of $434,468,420 was received by the Ministry. So we have a variation of which is about 49, 49.3% that the ministry received. So therefore, we have a variation of more than 400 million to be received by the Ministry of Children and Social Protection. And we have a total budget deficit which stands at 63 million 80,282 Ghana cities. Mr. Speaker, out of this figure, school feeding and leave takes about 95% of the total budget. So for goods and services, we have a small amount that is left for the ministry to, to, be, to be able to run its goods and services program. So we urge the Ministry of Finance to take notice of this because the staffing, even the staffing level is 55% below the minimum guidelines that has been put out by the office of the head of local government. So there's the need for the staff strength at the ministry to be increased. Mr. Speaker, for the year 2022, GOG releases 
for the LEAP program to help the poor and the aged was 0.00%. There was no commitment from government. So government did not release, the Ministry of Finance did not release any money, not even one peswa, to the Ministry of Gender, Children and Social Protection for the LEAP program. Had it not been the, uh, uh, the World Bank that released some little amount to the ministry, LEAP beneficiaries wouldn't have benefited from this program. Mr. Speaker, when it comes to disabilities, for 2022, little was done. Little was done for our less able persons to be able to assess even their monies at the disassembly level. The ministry is not able to release money to the accounts officers who are supposed to go around the country to the municipal and these assemblies, metropolitan municipal and assemblies, to monitor, to see what goes on at the various assemblies per the use of the money that has been released to the assemblies uh, to cater for these uh, uh, disabilities, uh, less able persons. Mr. Speaker, this year for 2023, nothing is said about disability. But just to let this House know that Ghana is a signatory to the United Nations Security Council Resolution 1325. That seeks to build in an all-inclusive, secured, and peaceful society for women and girls. But I don't think for what is happening, I don't think that we, uh, this country, we are serious about uh, what we have signed on with regards to the, the United Nations Security Council Resolution 13 and 25. So Mr. Speaker, I urge the Ministry of Finance to take a second look at the releases meant for the Ministry of Gender, Children and Social Protection to be able to cater for our less able persons. And this is about social protection. Social protection. Without peace, this country cannot move forward. Without children, without the development of children and women, this country will not be able to move forward. With regards to domestic violence, 2022, an amount of 2 million was budgeted for the domestic violence unit. 2023, it has been reduced to 1 million. Mr. Speaker, the domestic violence unit is working so hard. In educating the public via um, TV adverts, organizing town hall meetings, educating the public, especially girlfriends and wife beaters. So now, if the figures are reducing, that does not mean that their budget will have to be reduced. It's because, it's because the ministry, the DOFSU, Mr. Speaker, it's like the first deputy speaker is, is intimidating me because I said girlfriend and, and, uh, and one beaters. 
Mr. Speaker, he is making an allegation which appears to stand alone, but he is alleging that the domestic violence unit is working hard in dealing with girlfriend and wife beaters. Mr. Speaker, I know that if you go to that unit, there are reports also of husband and boyfriend beaters. So his report must be complete. It should not be one-sided. That's all I'm drawing the attention to. And thank you, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Speaker. I noted that as of December 2022, the Ministry had expended an amount of 574,332,056 If you look at the table, table one, on the same page, the amount released is actually 574,332,010 Ghana cities. But the actual amount received is 483,307,000 Ghana cities. So the ministry could have expended the 574,000,000. So the chair, if you can correct it. The actual amount spent by the ministry to be 484, 83,307,922.94. The 574 is what was released to them. The actual they have received is 483 million. Thank you. Honorable members, I think you take note of the corrections that have just been made by the Deputy Minority Leader. Can I put a question now? Yes, Deputy Majority Leader. So I put the question. This is all. Honorable members, those in favor really adopted. I am informed that we can now take item 5, business statement for the ninth week. Chairman, business committee. Mr. Speaker. Yes, please. Would you leave? I would like to proceed. You may do so. Thank you. 465 Ghana cities. For the office that change your administration of justice to facilitate the implementation of its programs. Mr. Speaker, the office that Tangera, as we well know, is the institution that supports the Tangera in the exercise of its constitutional functions. The Tangera and the Constitution serves as a principal legal advisor to the government, delivering advice on many issues which hold implications for the security of the state, economic matters and social issues affecting the state and her citizens. The Speaker, the Criminal Division of the Office of Atejua, that's the Prosecution Division, largely initiates and institutes criminal proceedings on behalf of the state. Indeed, Atejua is solely vested in pursuing authority under the Constitution. In terms of civil proceedings, the Atejua is responsible for the conduct and defense of civil proceedings 
or civil actions against the state. The Attorney also assess this Honorable House for the draft of legislation, largely through its division, the title legislative drafting. The Speaker, the Office, through its functions, helped the state in avoiding enormous judgment debts in numerous cases. Indeed, there is one case in which the judgment debts that was looming is the sum of 10 trillion Ghana cities was avoided, and the state was compared to 228,000 Ghana cities. The Speaker, the Office has eight agencies under it, the Council for Law Reporting, the Registrar General's Division, the Office of Register of Companies, the General Legal Council, the Comic and Organized Crimes Office. The Speaker, having regard to all these agencies and the enormous functions performed by them, which greatly assist the nation, I would humbly suggest that the amount requested for, or approved, I'm sorry, 370 million Ghana cities is actually grossly inadequate. Be that as it may, we are all constrained to the lean pairs of the state. And I beg this honorable house to approve the same sum for participation by discharge of the functions of the attainment of the constitution. I move accordingly. Yes, I move accordingly. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I rise to our justice. Mr. Speaker, in so doing, I beg to attach your report in support of this. And um, it is my prayer that the Hansa Department captures the report in its entirety whilst I made one observation. Mr. Speaker, at page 11 of uh, the committee's report, there is an item 9.1, compensation expenditure in excess of that I want to correct that one. Expenditure, I seek your leave, Mr. Speaker. 9.1, the title should be Expenditure in Excess of Compensation. Um, instead of Compensation Expenditure, we want to cancel the uh, compensation. And the, uh, I would want to make the observation there. Mr. Speaker, under this title, what? There was something that appeared that in the compensation that was given to the Attorney General, the amount was 47,448,248 cities and they appropriated 53,978, 53,978,851. Invited the Ministry of Finance that wanted an explanation of it, and the ensuing paragraph explains it. And if That was the debate that led to the approval of the budget for the Ministry of Gender, Children and Social Protection, as well as the Ministry of Justice and Attorney General's Department for the year 2023. And this ends tonight's edition of Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. My name is Ni Lati Lati. There is more news on our website, citynewsroom.com.
The show was produced by Beverly London with technical support from Daniel Squashi. Do stay tuned in. Have a good evening. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.